Hey everyone, it's Dijon. Hope you're all doing well. I just wanted to say if you're a part of this community and you want to see it grow, please subscribe and follow this channel wherever you are listening. Give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share it with the homies. Thanks. Welcome to the Souls of Society community. We're building the new world here. It's based on connection, compassion, and collaboration. Join us as we explore how to create a new earth. Enjoy the Heart Center conversation. I'm Dijon. Welcome to the tribe. Bless. Okay, so today I'm here with Sydney Strabala. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Strabala. Strabala? Yeah, Strabala. Strabala. <laughs> Sydney Strabala. Where's that from? You know, I always thought it was of German origin, but my family actually did one of those 23andMe tests and we found out that we're actually not German. It's, we were Scandinavian who came across, I think, with the Vikings and then took a German last name. So really interesting. <laughs> ah, cool. Yeah. Learning yeah, so half, much already. Yeah, yep, yep. Like 50% Mexican, Latina, and then the other side, you know, uh, Norwegian, Scandinavian, Irish. Right on. That's a good mix. It's very unique. I've never heard of that mixture before. <laughs> yeah, it is unique. I like it. Yeah. Well, you are a unique person. I met or I connected with Sydney through our mutual friend, Nikki, because we were putting on an event called The Universe Chose Us, which you've actually done a couple incarnations of, which are different healing and joy-based modalities together to create a unique experience. And that's been really fun. And Sid facilitates the breath work portion of it. And she's really... I really appreciate the way you do that. And I've actually been doing her YouTube breath work stuff. I love it. <laughs> every day. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to have you on because you're a very vibrant person and you seem very knowledgeable about all the things that you're involved in. And I wanted to hear more about, you know, how you got into Kundalini and like what your path was to get there. Mm, yeah. I'm so happy that we connected. And, and actually, we haven't even really met in person. It's only been virtually, which is yeah. so sweet. <laughs> yeah, not even kind of haven't. Like, we definitely haven't because we got connected <laughs> after, after COVID started. So we're, we're virtual friends, but... Yes, virtual friends, but friends nonetheless. And yeah. I feel like I've, I've known you forever, which is so awesome when you get to meet people that you feel so connected with. And I think that also just stems from when someone is authentically who they are you automatically feel like you know them, which yeah. is a cool feeling. Connecting on a soul level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I feel the same. Yeah. So I'm super, super happy to be doing the Universe Shows Us events. It's such a sweet event series. When you said just a joy-based event, that is literally what it is. It's just a gathering to bring out that inner joy and just put you into a state of bliss. And 
I'm super blessed. So I just wanted to say thank you again for bringing me on. It's been so much fun. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. Yeah. So I guess the question that you asked is, how did I get into all of this? Yeah, how did you come to, to Kundalini? Yeah, I, someone actually just asked me this question. And I like to say I found it on accident. I found it in college. But maybe I'll answer it a little bit different this time. I think why I stuck to it was because I was in pain, actually. And I think that pain is a really beautiful thing. And if we can kind of change our perspective around pain and change our relationship with pain, it becomes this epic, almost like friend, indicator, messenger to really help you redirect your life and to see truth in your life. So for me, it was a time in my life when I was really hurting subconsciously and consciously. I was, I was numbing with different, you know, different ways and methods. And I wasn't really living in a place where I felt super connected to who I was. And when I first did a Kundalini yoga class, which had breath work, meditation, mantra, yoga poses, all of that combined in this, you know, hour and a half experience that was so epically guided by, you know, I'll, I'll always remember, you know, Nickel Sunshine was his name, was my first teacher ever. And I was just brought to this state of deep surrender and radical acceptance. And I could see the truth in my life. And all of a sudden, after that class, the pain that I was experiencing had become this way shower. And I was seeing my life for the first time with really deep clarity, which was hard and it was confronting. But ever since then, I've just been on this journey of creating my reality and how I wanted it to be. And just always trying to see the truth in my life, even if it was hard. So that's kind of why I stuck to it. I could say heartbreak. I could say, you know, hard times in college, social, you know, insecurities, <laughs> feeling overwhelmed, <laughs> fear of the unknown, all of that combined. <laughs> I was like, yep, I need this. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I feel like pain, though, kind of is a catalyst for many people to enter into a spiritual path or journey. I agree. It certainly was for me. <laughs> and, yeah? Is yeah. there a story? <laughs> Well, yeah, there's lots of stories, but <laughs> I think that really it's just to say that it's redefining our relationship to pain. And I've used this analogy before in other conversations, but I think that pain or, or like resistance is actually what we crave in order to get stronger. And we understand that conceptually when we exercise or when we go for a run or something like that. Like the pain is what lets you know that you're growing stronger, right? Right. And the same way that when you work out, like the pain you're experiencing is literally your muscles ripping apart so that yeah. the, the version of you that's being birthed from within, that's like expanding from the inside out can now have, you know, a different system around it. You know, the previous system had to break down so a new one mm. can be born around it. And mm -hmm. if, if you acknowledge that that's actually what's happening, then we can recognize the same thing is happening on like a spiritual or energetic plane and that that process can be painful. But if you change mm -hmm. your, your perspective on what that pain is, 
then you can appreciate it the same way you can appreciate, you know, a good burn after a workout or your lungs burning when you're running or whatever. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. It, it brings you to the edge. Yeah. It, it brings you right to the edge of where you're at and then you get to decide to push further. And that's evolution. <laughs> that is. So I'm curious about your specific upbringing and your path. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern California, Orange County, you know, suburban little neighborhood with family of five, oldest of three girls. I was raised Catholic. I went to private Catholic school my entire life, which is so interesting. But it really, it really did. It was my first introduction to my relationship with God or source, the divine, whatever word you use. And I'm super grateful to that. And then kind of throughout my years and in college, I, I had to really find that connection again within myself outside of a church or outside of a building and, and realize that that expansive infinity and that connection to oneness and universal truth could really be found inside of me. And yoga and meditation and breath work really helped me understand that and actually experience that for myself. So yeah, my journey has just been all over, <laughs> but I'm grateful for every step of the way. You know, as cliche as that sounds, it all led me, you know, to where I am. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 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 So the school you went there from, was it like a K, to, K through 12 school? Yeah. K through eighth. And then high school was also Catholic private school and it was an all girls school. Mm. So that was really interesting. Lots of lessons there. And then also college, it was a, a Jesuit Catholic private school that I just happened to choose. I didn't even really choose it for that reason, but it's just interesting that that was a pattern in my life. <laughs> and did you feel like accepting of the viewpoints that were being shared with you at that time or were you resistant to them or what was your relationship to that? I think in the beginning, you know, I remember as a young, a young girl, I remember going to church and sitting on, you know, the classic wooden pews and really feeling overwhelmed with connection and a feeling of oneness when I was praying. And I had my first like, mystical experience connecting to my God in a church, in a Catholic church. And so I'll always remember that. And it was so special. And then as I, I aged, I began to see that, you know, humans have flaws and people who are teaching and leading different religions, they're human too. And I started growing accepting of all religions and I was always a really non-judgmental person. So I really couldn't see just one religion being the capital T truth. I really, I saw it as a personal truth for a group of individuals that created circumstantial or societal truths but I didn't see it as universal capital T truth. Mm. And so when I realized that it was hard for me to call myself a Catholic and my mom's like, we're Catholics. And, you know, yes, I grew up in the Catholic church, but it was hard for me to identify myself as that because I'm so much more than just that one identity. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm not a human seeking spirituality through one, only one religion. Although mm. I recognize that it's a beautiful tool to help someone meet their God. 
That's a beautiful, wise understanding, I think. And was that innate that you felt that because you had that spiritual depth or were there any particular influences in you that allowed you to keep such an open mind about everything? I think um, my family was very non-judgmental, and so I'm very grateful to them. Uh, and they never forced anything on me and my sisters. And that being said, they were also very accepting of our, our artistic endeavors. So we grew up fully supported in our love for creative arts, which we can talk about later. But me and my sisters all love art, every kind of art, as do you, I know. Mm. But then I would say probably my biggest teacher was nature. Because my, I remember my second mystical experience and feeling of connection to everything was actually just lying on the grass. I was a kid and I was just lying on the grass, looking up at the trees, blowing in the breeze and the sky and just feeling like, wow, there's so much more than just me. There's so much more. And it's hard to put that into words, that feeling, but we might have all, all glimpsed it in some way some somehow in nature that we're so small right it, we feel so insignificant yet at the same time we are part of this vast infinite universe and so you feel expansive and you know big at this as this at the same time as you feel humble and tiny and and that balance feeling both of those at the same time i think really is such a knowing, a knowing of truth, of universal truth. <laughs> mm. And so when I really felt that in nature, I was like, ah, oh, I can feel this anywhere. I can feel this anywhere. Mm. Yeah. And then ever since that day, I would, I would, I could just like look at my hands and I could be like, wow, like, oh, I can open and close my hands. I can move <sighs> my fingers. Like, this is a miracle. This is so cool. There there has to be something more greater than just me in this world, in this reality. And I've had faith ever since. And it's just been beautiful. <laughs> and when was that moment? That was probably when I was like 11. Mm. But our, yeah. Young, maybe middle school. <laughs> That's cool. You know, I feel like, when I was younger, I always had a sense that there was more. Like I used to ask questions about what was going on that people didn't have the answers to. And also when I would lay in my bed at night, I would also have these visions of like space, but like mm -hmm. going on like for forever and ever and ever. Like I, I kind of innately understood the vastness of the universe and I would like picture it. So cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I felt more like a space being than like a like that connection with nature that you're talking about and i don't think i developed that connection with nature in that way until i started getting opened up with psychedelics when i was in the bay area living there for a while and i remember one of my first experiences with psilocybin and like one of my friends gave me like a handful of psilocybin mushrooms and he was like, eat that. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's really just putting the trust in you. <laughs> yeah. I think I had done it before, like a small amount. Like this is somebody I met in outside lands, which is a mm. music festival there. And I was always like afraid to 
take anything like that to do anything just because I was like, oh, I don't want to lose control. I don't know what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Right. But one time at Outside Lands, this guy just goes, he was like smiling and we had just started talking to him and his girlfriend. He was like, he was like, open your hand. And I did. He was like, eat that. <laughs> and I had this really amazing experience. So like this time I was like, you know, open to it. And I ate the psilocybin that he gave me. And then I was sitting on his couch looking at an oil painting and it was of a boat on some water. And I remember after however long it had been, the boat started bobbing on the water and like the water mm -hmm. was swaying. And I was like, I think we need to go outside. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we went outside and started walking around the neighborhood. And I looked at a tree and as I looked at it, it started to like stand up straighter and like stretch out its, its leaves and really like fill itself out. And mm. it, and it goes, respect me. And Ooh. I was, and I was like walking towards it and I was like, what? And it was like, it was like, respect me. I've been here longer than you and I'll be here after you're gone. Wow. And, and I was like, I respect you. <laughs> 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 and I remember, you know, we went on a whole adventure and we were like walking around the LA, you know, just like wandering places. And I didn't have that strong of a sense of where I was because I was tripping, but somehow I was like being guided to walk in certain places. And I remember when the trip was coming toward its end and walking back towards the tree and it like addressed me again. And I like recognized that I had come full circle because the tree was mm. like, here I am again. That's, um, that's magical. But that's interesting that it was very magical, but that's interesting that it seems, it sounds like you had similar type of magical experiences, but just as a child and being connected without the doorways being opened by <laughs> psychedelics. Yeah, I, I could say that. Yeah. To certain degrees. And, and I've worked with plant medicine before and I've had some really profound, beautiful moments that were facilitated through plant medicine. And so I totally recognize that as a tool and as a method to open those doors too. Um, but, you know, I think the goal is to be able to sustain that without the plant medicine. Mm. That's the goal. But to give yourself a glimpse, if you've never had that glimpse before through plant medicine is a gift. Mm. And it's such a sacred tool. And it shows people this is possible to feel connected to everything. It is possible to feel like you are a part of nature. You're not just a human witnessing nature. You are nature. Right. So yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful way to be like, this is possible. Now, now, go, now go be. Now go embody this in your life. Yes. <laughs> what, yeah. uh, what medicines have you worked with? I've worked with psilocybin mushrooms. I've worked with chuma, cactus in Peru, this past year, I sat with grandmother ayahuasca uh, in Guatemala. You know, we had other, you know, smaller plant medicine journeys too, and personal ones, and ones in groups and on retreats, and and basically, you know, I think every journey has been so unique, uh, just like any experience in life. But every journey really brings you to that third truth, the universal truth. And it shows you what is true throughout all time for everyone in every moment. 
and it really just highlights that universal truth and it, and it shows you, it shows you things. And then from there you get to decide, can I integrate these truths that I am now aware of? Can I live my life really understanding and embodying these truths? And then that's your choice. So just because you do plant medicine does not mean you're enlightened. <laughs> it does not mean that, you know, you've reached some next level of consciousness. It's just you were in a state where you saw universal truth. Mm. And then it's up to you how you integrate that and live with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree that the embodiment is like the real work. And I know you're on a big embodiment practice for deepening your consciousness right now with your 4.30 a.m. sadhana. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe you can explain a little bit about what you're doing with that process and where you are in the process. Sure. Yeah, so actually, I haven't done a 4.30 a.m. sadhana for a while now, for a few months, and I just really felt called to deepen my discipline. I think that discipline is really important to have in your life in some way, some sort of discipline, because it's a way that you can practically show your ego who's in charge, mm. <laughs> right? It's a, it's a practical, tangible action that you can take where you're like, nope, the ego, you are not in charge. My soul is in charge. And you can have that win every morning by waking up at 4.30 a.m. because you do not want to do that. No. <laughs> at least I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. But I still do it. And by bringing that discipline into my life at these really sacred, beautiful hours of the morning when the rest of the world is asleep and I can just find some silence and meet myself before I start my day is just such a special gift that I can give to myself. And there are days that, you know, I'll wake up and I'll just go through the motions uh, and maybe it's not the most transformational meditation. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking about going back to sleep the entire time, <laughs> which is okay. But then there are days that I get up and, and I feel the grace wash over me and I sing these beautiful mantras, these old ancient mantras and vibrations and tears come to my eyes and I remember why I, I do this practice. Mm. And so it's just, just a way for me to meet my soul before anything else. And I think I, when I, I was talking to you and you, you did join me for one, one of these morning sadhanas, you got to experience it, which was such a blessing to have you meditate with me in the morning. We did the practice over Zoom together. Mm. So that was so special. And when I was explaining to you what the sadhana was, I had mentioned, you know, if you're going to leave your house, wait, what did I say? Oh, if you're not going to leave your house before brushing your teeth or putting clothes on or doing any of the things that you do before you would go out and meet the world, why would you leave your house and meet the world before meeting your soul? Which I think just totally is the tagline for sadhana. <laughs> yeah. Do your sadhana. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I I totally agree. And it was a uh, really nice to be guided by you in the practice. And thank you. You have a very deep presence and especially your voice when you're guiding is very deep. And to me, having had so many conversations with people, 
like this, whether it be over a podcast or in person, because the majority of this project I've done walking around the streets, talking to people, but yes, it's it, the voice is the most relevant indicator of someone's state, right? Because the content of what they say is one layer of it, but the voice and where it exists in their body while they're speaking to it is really, you know, when you're hearing the truth, right? Because it's like, yes, you can hear if, if someone were to answer a phone call and they just said, hey, you know, like there's a different hey <laughs> when your boss is calling versus your mom is calling versus your lover is calling, right? They're different tonalities of the same. Yeah word the tone is huge right and what i hear in your tone is is groundedness in self mm. you always seem to be like you don't get ahead of yourself you're always like with yourself thank you <laughs> i i try i try to be with myself it's it's the only place i really can be <laughs> well that's not it's not it's it's true but it's also like not true because people are all over the place. And I think that, that is the source of pain in our society. At least it is for me. Like when I'm not fully connected to myself and fully surrendered to the moment and really enjoying the moment and wanting to be somewhere else or to be with someone else or. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's suffering. Right. Yeah. And, it's, and I, it is. Yeah. I think that as challenging as it may be for all of us in this time of COVID, it's like it's the journey inwards that's going to yield the, the rewards and the, the experience that we're all looking for. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I understand me, if I understand me, I can understand everything about this world. I really believe that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, though, understanding that universal part of me, not just the personal me, the personhood. I, I feel like I want to talk about these three layers of truth, actually. It's a really beautiful framework that I think can help people understand what, what we're talking about here, because what we're talking about, you and me, we're, we're getting really deep. Some of this stuff is very hard to intellectualize with the mind, and it can only be felt. But truth right? I think there's different layers of truth. And I think there's three layers. There's, there's personal truth. And personal truth is something that everyone has a unique personal truth. And then there's circumstantial truth or societal truth, which are more, a lot of personal truths that are, happen to be the same, come together and create belief systems or religions, or moral codes, even government, like Democrats, Republicans, right? Those are all circumstantial societal truths. And then the third truth would be universal truth, which is always true, no matter what, for everyone beyond time and space. Mm. And that cannot, cannot be comprehended with the mind. So anything above circumstantial truth is universal truth, and it has to be felt. It's an experience of truth. So you can look through your life and your belief systems and really reflect, and this could be a meditation that you can do to really help you come into your true self and your true core and essence of who you are and ask yourself, is this a personal truth 
is this, you know, a societal truth that I'm adhering to? Or is this something that is really true? Capital T, true. And you can ask yourself, you can reflect. (laughs) And it's so interesting because when you do, all of a sudden, knowing the difference between these different levels, conflict starts to melt away. Mm. Because conflict only arises. This is very interesting. And I want to hear your take on this. I feel like conflict only arises when we confuse our personal truths and societal truths for universal truth. Mm. But if we understand, ah, like, you know, if we're in the same room and I feel overheat, hot, and, you know, the, the temperature is a little bit too much for me, and then you're wearing a sweatshirt and you feel cold, your, univer- your personal truth, excuse me, your personal truth is that it's cold. My personal truth is that it's hot. Neither are wrong, <laughs> but those are our personal experiences in the present moment. Right. And so if we confuse our personal truths for universal truth, and I'm like, you're lying, you're wrong, then we're going to get in a conflict. And that's how wars start. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, plug in whatever example you want. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And I, it's interesting. I was actually thinking about this earlier today, maybe with a, a little different wording, but I think the same ideology and that knowing the difference between ultimate reality and like relative truth or even quote unquote facts. You know, because in our society, which is very, I feel like mind-based, like the mind is the dominant kind of like modality of Western society, like Mm -hmm. facts, facts are like undisputable. Like that's an undisputable fact. And I don't even think that exists, right? Because as we've experienced in mushrooms that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, perception shapes reality. So facts are malleable based on yeah. your level of consciousness and you know it was a fact at one time that the world was flat that was a fact right, right. but that, that was just based on the understanding that was present at the time whereas a universal truth like you're talking about i feel like is something that's experienced with the heart so yes. you exactly. know if it's true or not and it's like it speaks to things that are unverifiable in other terms like you can't measure love you know if your mom says i love you you can't measure it but you can feel it like you know it's true or if your grandmother cooks some food for you and she makes it with love you can taste it right Right. but you can't you can't measure it so those to me are the things that that's the difference between like a universal truth and and a fact or a, a circumstantial truth totally yeah it's so interesting it's super interesting because i think meditation and breath work and practicing helps us zoom out and zoom out and see our life and and we can actually kind of see where all of our belief systems and limiting beliefs and thoughts and memories fit into these categories too I don't know. I love, I love thinking in charts and (laughs) (laughs) I love thinking in charts and, you know, lists and, you know, organizing. That's totally my mind, but (laughs) it helps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm uh, a human. You, you are. You're a cool human. You know, in reference to ultimate reality and how to access it, going back to that for a second, it's a, it's a feeling, right? So the more rooted in the self you are, the more you can experientially know if something is true, right? Because if it's not true, it'll be incongruous with your nervous system. Right. Cause the truth right, feels, feel yeah, the truth feels calming, right? Like you feel at peace when you are in the presence of truth. And uh, there've been a couple of interesting things about technology I've seen recently that I feel like are going to make society really interesting. And one was I was watching this documentary on the bulls and Michael Jordan on Sunday on ESPN called the last dance. Have you heard of it? A couple of my friends were watching that. I ha I didn't see it. Okay. So, it was good, but one thing I really noticed about it was there's this popular show, Sports Center, which you may have heard of, that broadcasts stuff. And there were commercials from Sports Center from that time period where the announcer for the Sports Center in like the late 90s was talking about this documentary that was going to come out 22 years later. So he was doing it in this like pithy way, like, the Bulls just won the 90, 1998 World Championship, and there'll be a documentary about this in, let's say, 22 years in the year 2020. And he was saying all these specific things about what was happening right now. So clearly, they use technology to, you know, like overdub that and, <laughs> and make it so that, you know, he recorded that recently. But when I was looking at it and seeing the way his mouth was moving and, the, and hearing the tone of his voice, you really couldn't tell that it wasn't an original recording, right? Mm. Like it seemed mm -hmm. like an original recording. And then also, mm -hmm. also the Spider-Man movie that came out last year, I think Far From Home, was all about how this, the, the supervillain in that like manipulated technology to create illusions mm. for people. Mm. And, you know, spoiler alert, but he ends up, tricking all these people including like framing spider-man at the end to make mm. it make it seem like spider-man was the bad guy right and it it all speaks to this level of technological manipulation that we're now is now a possibility in our reality you know so it's like it becomes yeah. even more important to be internally attuned to the truth you know, to the truth yes. that, that only you can verify yourself because right. before, exactly. before it could be like, well, I'm not sure, but I, but I see it on tape that that's true. And it's like, no, uh -huh. not necessarily. Like, that's not right. even like, we can't even trust that anymore. You have to trust yourself. Right. And, and, and you know what? And those things too, like those could be personal truths and they could be societal truths. And if we can see them that, okay, that's true because they made that true but that's not a universal truth right so so it's okay if we you know hold on to these personal truths and societal truths i don't think that's a bad thing right just like attachment doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing right but we just have to know the difference we just need to have that greater sense of awareness of what is the ultimate reality and what is the illusional you know reality that we're living in the entanglements you know in yogic terms the maya Right. That we're living in. And 
the Maya, in my perspective, only exist so that we can define ourselves, right? Because whatever I choose to do and respond to a situation, that's who I'm declaring I am. Right. So yeah. I can choose in every to, moment. In every moment. So it, do, it doesn't really matter what happens. What matters is how I respond to it. And that is how I define myself and how everyone else defines themselves. Right. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I believe you really have to go through the illusions. This is, we came to earth, to, to earth for earth school. This is like our school and we're learning who we are and we're experiencing and it's so beautiful. And we have to go through these illusions and our samskaras or our patterns to learn who we are. Mm. And, and that's part of it. That's part of our journey. And so can we learn our lessons with grace? Can we learn our lessons with an elevated perspective or are we so is our relationship with pain such that we can't handle it, that we can't find this joyful, playful dance with the pain, but we need to numb it. And then that's when you see people really numbing with alcohol and, and drugs and Netflix, you know, yeah. whatever it is, codependent relationships and people will numb the pain because they, they don't want to feel. And, and I see that happening so much right now as well. And, and when you said this, this whole technology thing in this age right now, especially in this Aquarian age of the age of technology, where we're going to really have to look at the illusions created by technology, it's going to be important for us to really use pain as a tool mm. because the pain is what is going to shock us and shock us out of the illusions and all of the entanglements, whether they're the technological entanglements, the emotional entanglements, the mental entanglements, whatever they are, the pain is what's going to shock us, bring us to the edge and allow us to look down with that elevated perspective at all of our life and be like, what's the personal truths here? What are the societal truths? What's the universal truth? Let me look at my life from this elevated perspective. And is this who I want to be? Is this who I am? Mm. And pain gives you that that chance to be on the edge of your life and decide to take that leap of faith into the unknown or numb and go back into the entanglements. Mm. So thank you, pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful wisdom. So I'd love to dive down into the, the human aspect. We've been in some heady realms. And just as a human, I'm interested in, in who you are and, and how you like to spend your time. I know that you're an artist. I know that you create poetry. I know that you're learning how to play guitar. I would love to hear about any of those things. Yeah. Oh, man. I love being alive. It is just so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. I just love to play. And I love to play with all sorts of things, with, with people and music and art and singing. And, and it's just been a wild ride because in the past couple of years, I finally kind of let go of the aspect of myself of perfectionism, which was huge for me growing up was this need to be perfect. And I kind of let go of that. Even in my art, I've been blessed with creative gifts and I can paint, you know, hyper-realistic, you know, human portraits, which is so fun. But even in the past couple of years, I kind of stopped painting the hyper-realistic type art that I normally do. And I really started letting my intuition guide me. I started finger painting. I started doing these crazy abstract pieces that 
maybe no one likes, but like were fun to create and I enjoyed the process. And I think that kind of describes how I'm expressing myself today and currently. It's just it's just this playful dance with my creative expression. And I'm just using my creative expression to express my soul. And I kind of I like to call it I don't think I coined the term, but I, I use this term a lot, soul expression instead of self-expression, soul expression. Mm. And so I just, I love to just express myself through art. <laughs> and it's so fun. So yes, but recently I've been trying to learn to play the guitar and really working on opening up my voice and uh, letting go of those blocks in my, my singing, actually. Mm. So those are the two more new avenues of my expression that I'm just having so much fun learning and being new at. <laughs> and do you feel like there are blocks? You feel very expressed, you know, speaking. Do you feel like there are blocks when you're singing? Yeah, I do. And I think it's important in my incarnation that I have blocks that I learned to overcome because I, I do think that one one purpose of my life is to be a teacher. And if I can't overcome challenges myself, then how can I help other people overcome challenges? So yeah, I think there's definitely some, I don't know what it is quite yet. This is new to me. So, you know, we can check back in <laughs> later about this, but for singing, there's something there. I was reflecting on this actually the other day. And I remember actually my mom telling, talking to me and one of my younger sisters and we were singing and she said, Sydney, maybe you should leave the singing to your sister. <laughs> And I think maybe just that one comment mm. stuck with me mm. and I kind of released that, that expressive avenue and that expressive art ever since that day. And then only recently, actually, after some plant medicine journeys, actually, where I felt very open and where I was singing in ceremony and I was guided with some of the most beautiful and magical musicians that I've ever met in my entire life, did I really realize, wow. It, first of all, it's not even about sounding good. It's about singing your prayers and vibrations out into the universe. <laughs> and that totally gave me the confidence and the push I needed to just dive deep in singing and learning musical instruments and notes and chords. And this is another thing. We're always students. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I was actually having a conversation with a musician friend of mine today about the same thing and about the importance of authenticity. And he was saying for him, the most important thing as a vocalist is honesty, mm. yeah, you know, and, and, and being yourself because no one else can be you. And the way I think about it is it's almost like we're making a vase with our life and our life experiences like will shape the vase in a certain way, right? Like that's, that's unique only to us. Mm. And if you were to make sound out of like a perfectly, like that mug you're sipping right now, like it's going to come out a certain way, right? But if the mug had a different internal terrain, then the sound is going to come out. It's going to flow through that space differently, right? right? So I feel like our soul is being shaped by our experiences like in this incarnation. So when you're singing, if you allow yourself to authentically 
just like let the vibrations flow through your unique container, it's going to sound a specific way, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And that translates the journey of your soul. Beautiful. Yeah. We, and we all are vibration, right? right, I, I'm, right. Also a, I'm a sound healer, so I, I lead sound journeys and, and sound baths and I play, you know, the gong and singing bowls and chimes and harmonium and other really beautiful, sacred, traditional instruments to help facilitate people into deep relaxation mm. and doing a lot of research and diving deep in that aspect and understanding that we're all vibrations exactly what you said when we sing and express ourselves, we're literally projecting out our vibration into the universe right and it's that right there is so sacred i mean all of life is a ceremony is a sacred ceremony to me <laughs> but but wow just speaking singing a prayer your vibration is literally going out rippling into the universe like for infinity and then coming back and it's just whoa <laughs> <laughs> what type of music do you like to uh, well two questions what type of music do you like to sing and what type of music do you like to listen to right now like what's your favorite oh well i love all music i really do i'm one of those people where i don't know <laughs> i feel like a lot of people are like oh like i hate hate country, like hate rap music, you know, everyone has that type of music that they hate. I really enjoy all music. If it's made from a place that, from the heart, you can tell if it's made from a place of the heart. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy all vibrations. Recently, though, I have just been loving the sacred medicine songs that have been sung in plant ceremonies and, and plant medicine journeys, songs from the Yamanaba tribe and you know, beautiful songs sung in Spanish where I feel really connected actually to my mother's side of the family, my, my Mexican uh, Latina side and singing in Spanish has just been like a whole new journey for me too. And connecting to that language, which I used to be able to understand and speak when I was really young. And then I really lost touch with that language. So yeah, (laughs) I'm having fun and I'm having fun in the so is that the music that you like to sing or that's the music you like to listen to or both? Probably both right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah, both. I'm super deep in that. Cool. So you're like taking that in and, and releasing it. That's cool. I bet you're deepening with your, your ancestry in that way. I, I feel that. Hmm. I do feel it. It's in, the, it's in my DNA. <laughs> and uh, what's your favorite meal? My favorite meal. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Gosh, I think I think just fresh like if it, if I could describe it for you it would be me walking out into a garden, you know, picking fresh vegetables, bringing it inside, you know, preparing it myself, cutting it up cooking it warm maybe like yams and like potatoes and veggies and zucchinis and and then just cooking it up maybe some quinoa and throwing in some garlic like half an avocado with some salt sprinkled on top yeah something like that (laughs) Mm, sounds delicious sounds delicious and something warm and grounding Mm. what is a ideal 
Saturday look like for you from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed and not, not in COVID times, just like anytime, anytime. Ideal Saturday would probably be waking up for my sadhana, number one, and getting to that point in my sadhana where I feel deeply connected to, to God, to the divine. And then after sadhana, waking up to the sunrise, not going back to bed, taking a walk out into nature, maybe sipping on a oat milk cappuccino <laughs> and then writing some poetry, just flowing for as long as I feel. And then after walking back to maybe my home, practicing one of my instruments, whether that be you know the harmonium or playing the gong or practicing the guitar, maybe learning some, a new song, doing some sort of learning, some sort of musical expression, or maybe even painting, spending, you know, three, four hours just deep in painting, <laughs> covered in paint, head to toe. I'm wearing my paint jeans. I'm wearing my paint shirt. I come out of that session with like maybe, you know, smudges on my nose and cheeks. And then, yeah, sharing in a really healthy delicious meal making my way to the beach at some point of the day doing an ocean plunge jumping in the water whether that be just for a swim or maybe surfing laying out in the sun <laughs> yeah gosh just napping in the sun for a while and then Communing with friends and my soul tribe and family and maybe sitting around a fire, telling stories, watching the sunset. Yeah, just just that. That sounds nice. <laughs> sounds sounds pretty epic. Yeah, it does. I dig it. You're yeah. invited. Yeah. Thank you. I would love to experience that. And one more question, one last question is, the legacy I will leave is? Mm, that I will leave in this lifetime? Mm. I think the legacy that I will leave is one of deep service to everyone that I meet of grace, of grace being the energy that carries me through every moment. Grace literally just leaking out of my very being, coming through in everything that I say, and that I do, and that I think. And then, and just as an inspiration to, to anyone to really express who they are authentically and genuinely from their soul and connecting to that self-expression and, and that soul expression because I think that self-love and self-expression are so, so intimately intertwined and, and I, wanna, I want everyone to feel that oneness, that connection with God, that deep devotion 
through that self-expression and self-love. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then however I do that, I don't know, but. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow. Well, that was great. I really appreciate you taking the time to connect and, and share yourself. No, oh, thank you. Thank you for just a wonderful conversation. And you are such a light. It's just been such a blessing to get to know you and connect and, and everything that you add and, and the questions that you have are just so, so real. Hmm. So real. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I received that. It's been such an amazing blessing to get to do this project and get to connect with so many people at such depth. And uh, I remember this project hit me on another level when one of my good friends passed in a car accident. And I had some really beautiful pictures of him that captured his soul. And they wanted to use those pictures at his memorial service. And I got one of them blown up that was like a, maybe like a three foot by five foot picture. So like his head was, was huge. You know, it was like huge because wow. it was just of his face. And I remember when we unveiled it, his, his dad almost passed out because like the energy of the picture was so strong. Like his soul was like looking out at all of us. And there's also been someone I did a podcast with that passed from cancer and you know, his family talks about being able to listen to the podcast, to hear his voice and hear where it was at as being so meaningful. So I'm so glad that I get to create these experiences with people and, and learn about them and learn about life. So it's, mm. an, it's an honor. Likewise, dude, such an honor. Yeah. Wow. To share this moment in time and space and what a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Well, do you want to maybe share where people can connect with you if they would like? Yeah. You know, my email is just creating Sid, S-Y-D, at gmail.com. You can send me an email. I have a website, also creatingsid.com, and my Instagram, at creatingsid. <laughs> uh, pretty easy. But yeah, if anyone has any questions or needs support or wants to learn more about Kundalini or breathwork or meditation, I'm here and in such humble service to being a guide or a support or just a mirror. And yeah, looking forward to connecting if, if you feel called. <laughs> Thank you, Sid. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that episode. This is what we're all about at Souls of Society. If you feel inspired right now, share this with one of your friends. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. And most importantly, embody your soul by living in your heart. It's our time. It's our time for harmony, togetherness, and peace. Much love.